Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, good afternoon, I should say. Yeah. Oh, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm picking up a message that I um, preached a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just going to take that on a little further. And uh, we're just going to read Romans 12, just one verse, and then we're going to turn to John 8 and just see what the Lord wants to do. Oh, yeah. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. All right, so Romans chapter 12, um, this is Paul writing to the, the church in Rome. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a couple of weeks ago I preached, maybe now three weeks ago, I preached a message from um, the story of Jesus on the mountain where he went out with James and John and Peter and was transfigured. He was changed before um, their eyes into uh, just a radiant face on shining clothes, really bright white. And um, Moses and Elijah were with him. And, um, and then a cloud comes over and the cloud says, cloud is God speaking and he says, this is my son whom I love in you I am well, uh, sorry, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And so the message that I preached a few weeks ago was, who are you listening to? Are you listening to God? Are you listening to Jesus? Are you listening to the words of Jesus or are you listening to social media or your favorite podcaster or your news or your own experience or your own, you know, your own um, upbringing or, you know, who are you listening to? And I want to take that on a, a little bit further this morning. Um, you know, so Paul starts off in verse, uh, verse two, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be squished in, don't be molded, don't be, don't, don't take on the values and the, and the thinking of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we, there's, a, there's a space for us where we, where we uh, you know, we've, as we've grown up in the, world, in, the, in the world, we've grown up in our family culture, we've grown up in our, with our experiences, there's those, and we've grown up listening to the, to the you know, other voices other than Jesus. What it does is it's, it's conformed us to uh, a way of thinking, it's conformed us to patterns of behavior. You know in your own life, your own experience, that you have values and you have beliefs and you have attitudes that, uh, that, that actually have come from your family, have come from your life, have come from your experiences. And so, uh, and, and the world culture, which at the moment is trying to, you know, push on us values such as, you know, uh, you can choose your gender, you can choose your sexuality, you can just, you know, love is love, you can love whoever you want, you, as long as it's good for you, you know, it's, it's good for everybody else. As long as it doesn't hurt, it's fine, right? But those are world systems, other systems of the world, things like, you know, you've got to work hard to earn, you know, your life is, consists of how much you earn and what car you drive and what house you have and what job you do and, and, and we know where you fit within all of that or you know the people that you surround yourself with that's all worldly thinking and, and Paul's saying don't be conformed to that don't live your life based on an external in the natural realm being conformed to everything that you see around you there's a better way 
The better way is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting that that word um, to be transformed actually is the word that we get the word uh, in English called metamorphosis. So those, you know, and the meta metamorphosis is a simple thing of taking, you know, we see it, we use it particularly of, of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. The caterpillar gets wrapped up in the cocoon, it wraps itself up in a cocoon, and then it liquefies, and then it becomes, over a period of time, it then comes out as a butterfly. It, becomes, it comes out as another, another being. And, um, you know, those of you that were at the conference on, t on uh, Friday night, Chris Vallotton, one of the senior leaders at Bethel Church in Reading, uh, a prophet to the, this nation and to the nations, he had a, a word, his whole sermon was about how in this season that we're in, God is about metamorphosizing his church, his body, his people. It's not just about changing a few things. It's not just about changing our external. What he's about is he's changing the internal reality for us through this COVID season. Anyone heard that message? It was a, it was a wonderful message. But we're in this place of, of metamorphosis. And uh, that word in the Greek it actually appears four times in the New Testament. Um, the first two times it appears is in um, Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9 in connection with Jesus up on the mountain, the passage that we just referred to that I preached on three weeks ago. That, that passage of Jesus being on the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, as people would say, you know, some you know, Bibles would call it the transfiguration. But that word metamorphosis or metamorpho is actually the word that is used as transfiguration in those two passages. And so when Jesus is up on the mountain and he's praying, it says that his face became bright, shining light and his clothes were brighter than anybody could, could, um, could uh, wash them. And it was that the, the disciples, they saw his glory. He was metamorphosized. He was changed in that moment. He, was, he went from just an ordinary looking human and then the disciples caught a glimpse of him in his glory. That word transfigured is metamorphosized, metamorphosis. Uh, the third time we see it is in um, 2 Corinthians chapter th uh, 3, verse uh, 18, where it says, where Paul's writing to the, to the Corinthian church, and he says this. He says, we, we, when we behold his glory, as we behold his glory, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another, and we become like him. That word transformed, again, is metamorphosis. So in other words, when we behold Jesus' glory, there's a moment in, the Bible says, there's a moment that's coming that when he appears, we will see him. And in the moment that we see him, we will be like him. We'll be instantly metamorphosized. We'll be instantly changed. But the Bible also says that, so there's that future happening, but the Bible also says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. We've been made new. We've been made into a different people. And as we begin to behold him, as we gaze upon Jesus, as we look at him, we will get transformed. We will, we will go from this degree of glory to this degree of glory to this degree of glory, and we will become more and more like him. We ourselves will be on a journey of being transfigured and becoming more and more like Jesus. And then the final passage that we see is this passage that we're looking at, where it's, you know, be transformed by being metamorphosized, become more and more like him. Interesting, you know, that it, there's three accounts of, of the transfiguration in the New Testament. Two of the, those accounts, Matthew and Mark, Luke the word meta, use the word metamorphosis, but in Luke's version, he says, it says that he was changed into another. 
which is just a different way of saying he was metamorphosized. You know, a metamorphosis is a caterpillar being changed into a butterfly. Yours and my destiny, yours and our calling is that we would be transformed, we would be conformed into the image of his son. That's, that's the Father's eternal destiny for you and I and for every believer in Christ is that his purpose for us is that we will be conformed not to the world but we will be conformed to the image of Jesus and you and I, that's our calling and that's our destiny. That's the Father's purpose for us. And so what he's saying here in this passage, Paul's saying is this, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let what's in your mind, let your thinking catch up with the, with the reality of who Christ has already made you to be. Let your thinking catch up with who your Father in heaven has already determined that you're going to be. Let, the, let your thinking, let the way that you respond in your mind, let your value system, let your beliefs, let your, let your culture, let that be transformed so that it's no longer conformed to the world, but it's actually becoming more and more like Jesus. And so, you know, that's the, that's the glorious thing is that we're being transformed so that every aspect of our life every aspect of our thoughts, every aspect of our beliefs, which will then change our behavior because we, we, when we, we believe first and then we behave, we, we, we behave out of our beliefs. Every aspect of our life, every aspect of that will be transformed and become like Jesus. That's the Father's purpose for each one of us is that increasingly we become, we act, we respond, we talk, we look, we smell like Jesus. And we get transformed it's a, it starts in our mindset. It starts in the way that we think. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that, that word transformed is interesting in the Greek tense because it's a command. Be transformed. It's not like an optional thing. It's not like, well, you know, if you feel like it, you can be transformed. But if you don't feel like it, don't worry, just stay like you are. No, it's, Jesus is saying this. Sorry, Paul is saying this. He's saying, be transformed. God's about a transformation business. God's about, because he's made you a new creation, he's about taking off the old you and putting in and establishing the new you. He's about taking you away from being a caterpillar in a, in metaphorically in your sin and your depravity and the thoughts which are living below the word of God and causing us to be able to learn to soar and to live in the heights that God has for us in the word of God, in our identity of who he is and who he's made us to be. But so it's a command, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, an option. But the second thing about it is it's interesting, it's, a, it's the, in the tense of Greek, it's passive. In other words, it's something that you can't do yourself. It's just something that's going to happen to you. Be transformed, command, by letting it happen to you, passive tense. It kind of feels a little bit, how do you do that? How do you be transformed, but you can't actually do it yourself? You have to allow something outside of you to act upon you to make it happen to you. Our partnership is to not be conformed, but to, you know, to seek the Lord and, and to allow him to transform us. But the reality is our transformation doesn't come from within us, uh, you know, in our own abilities or our own natural sense of worth or, or our, our, own, our own toughing it out. Actually, our transformation, our walk with Christ, our, our journey to becoming more Christ-like comes by the power of the Holy Spirit and comes by the word of God transforming our lives. So here's my question again is, who are you listening to? But not only who are you listening to, who are you following? Who are you believing for transformation? Who are you believing for transformation? Are you believing in your own ability? Are you believing in the world system? 
Are you believing in politics to make a change? Are you believing in your boss or your work or other people around you, your family to make the change? Or are you actually believing in Jesus and and trusting him that he, by the power of the Spirit, is going to be the one that transforms you? What would it look like for you and I if we thought every moment of every day like Jesus? What would it look like if we had Jesus' thoughts all of the time? What would it look like if we never thought an angry thought, an unhappy thought, or we never thought a thought about, you know, belittling ourselves or putting other people down or, or just walking in fear? What if we lived with the mind of Jesus and we lived in the reality of who he was? That's our destiny. That's our calling. What that would look like, that would look like heaven on earth, would it not? That would look like Jesus walked. That would look like us walking around like Jesus, that we are to be, but his, what God is saying is he wants us to be transfigured. He wants the truth of who we are already in Christ to be revealed and to be manifested around so that we are transfigured. What would it look like tonight if you're walking around as Kate was talking about and you're transfigured and you become like another and you shine with glory? Paul's saying, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mindset. Because again, remember, what we do comes out of who we are and what we believe. That's why behavior and modification never works. You can try your hardest to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And sometimes, you know, we hear these stories about people that change their economic circumstances, uh, you know, change their lives to a large degree. But reality is you cannot make yourself a better person on the inside. You can't, work, you, you can't work hard at loving more and more people and try and do everything that you can to be perfect because the reality is you haven't got it within you. But neither can you just live in the reality that you want to just change your circumstances and if you get a different husband or a different wife or a different job or a di- move to a different city or you, you do something else then everything's going to be okay. Because guess what? Wherever you go, you go. And we've said this before, my old boss used to say this in, uh, in Australia, she would say, the grass may be greener on the other side, but the face in the mirror is still the same. In other words, you're still tar- carrying around your values, your beliefs, your, your issues, and um, changing your circumstances won't change your life. The only thing that will change your life is coming to Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at Romans chapter 8, and I want to uh, just spend some time in, sorry, not Romans, John chapter 8. And I want to read um, just a few verses from uh, verse 31 to 38. And this is, this is Jesus, as, um, he's talking to the, the, the Jewish people that have been around that he's been talking to. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Remember, these are people, Jesus is now talking to people that actually believe in him. (laughs) If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they, they, the believers, the people, the Jews that believed in him, answered, well, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. These are people that believe in him. <laughs> Let's talk about stirring the pot. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Wow. Confronting. Jesus is basically saying you've got two fathers. You've either got the father of truth, the father in heaven, or you've got the father of lies. You've got no other father. And it's enough for you and I to remain, to, to, to be um, in deception to keep us in bondage. And in fact, we're in bondage when we practice sin. We practice sin, we're slaves to sin. When we, before we come to know Jesus, we're actually slaves to sin. And we practice sin. The things that we want to do, we can't help but do. The things that we don't want to do, we can't help but do. The things that we want to do, like be a good person, we always fail and mess up. Why? Because we're in bondage to sin before we know Jesus. But what Jesus says this is he says, you're going to be free. You can, you can be free. In fact, whom the Son sets free is going to be free indeed. Who wants freedom? Who wants to be transfigured to be just like Jesus? Who wants to be set free from old mindsets and patterns of behavior and thinking? Things like, you know, a sense of rejection or abandonment so that, you know, when you walk into the room, you don't just feel like everybody doesn't like you. Even if they do, your thought process, your behaviors, your attitudes, the things that you've believed about yourself, you kind of hold yourself away from people because you don't want them to reject you. How about fear? No, you're bound to fear where you don't want to step out and take a risk or you, you don't want to go on an airplane or you, you don't want to have a relationship with someone because you're fearful about being hurt by that person. What about Greed and all you want to do is you just want to focus on getting money and accumulating things or your pride, you're proud and you want to just you know, show everyone how awesome and amazing you are. You're in bondage to that. And Jesus wants to set you free to be the true person that he's made you to be. Loved by him. Somebody significant because he's called you his own. And so the truth you're going to know the truth. Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free. I want you to be free indeed. Well, how are you going to be free? Let's go back to verse 31 and 32. So what you need to be free, there's a process because you're actually in bondage. You need to be set free. How do you get set free? Well, you experience the truth. How do you, ex you know, that, and that truth that you experience is that you would know the truth. And that truth, if knowing the truth is going to be the, a proof that you're his disciples and, the, and, the, and that truth, that truth is going to come because you abide in the the word of Jesus. You see it backwards. You see it that way. That we're set free by the truth. We, 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 the truth is the truth that we know because then we've been his disciples and that truth is, comes because we abide in his word. And so let's have a look at abiding. Abiding in my word, Jesus says. You will know the truth. The truth. Jesus is the truth. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one else comes to the Father except me. Jesus is the exact representation, the exact image of God. He is the language of God. If you want to know the truth of who God is, you listen to Jesus, right? That's who he is. That's who God is. That's, he's the revelation. He's the exact representation of Jesus. So he's the person of truth. Truth is a person. It's not just something to uh, uh, you know, memorize or learn or, or you know, try and get, get into us so that we can behave differently. Truth is a relationship with a person. And, the, and the, the, so Jesus is the person of truth. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the word know, as in terms of knowing the truth, that word is actually in, in, in the Hebrew, 
connotation of that word is that it's actually about physical intimacy. You know, Adam knew Eve and they had a baby together. It's that kind of knowing. It's knowing that comes from intimacy. It's knowing that comes from relationship. It's not just knowing that comes from a, a set of rules and regulations that we've somehow internalized in our mindset. It's, it's not that. It's actually a relationship. And the Holy Spirit, as a spirit of truth, is constantly inviting us. Jesus has, con- has made a way for us to constantly invite us back into this place of truth that we would know experientially that truth, that we would walk with him in that truth as the person of truth. And he would transform us and literally transfigure our minds so that we become more and more like him. He's a spirit of truth. And you know, knowing isn't just about a mental ascent. Knowing is an act that requires your involvement. Having a baby as a husband and wife requires two people. It requires the involvement and the participation of both parties. And so the knowing that God is talking about, he's he's saying, I'm inviting you into a relationship with truth. I'm inviting you into a relationship with me as a spirit of truth to teach you and to lead you into truth, to unwind your thinking, all the where you've been conformed to the world, to unwind your stinking thinking and bring you into the reality of who I am and who I've made you to be so that you are free to be everything that God's called me you to be. And so how do we abide in the word. How do we abide in that and to know the truth and that have that truth set, set us free? Well, the first thing it's just important to notice that therefore, if truth, there's, there's truth that sets free and there's truth that doesn't set free. There's truth of our experience, the facts that things that happen to us, there's truth about, you know, um, our, our life but most of those truths that we've experienced, the facts that we've had of our lives, the, the injuries, the accidents, the people that have hurt us, the, the things that we've gone through, that truth isn't the truth that sets us free. It's the truth of Jesus that sets us free. And so how do we abide in the word? Well, it's a daily and a moment-by-moment rhythm to our life, right? To be able to abide in the word actually means to read the word to listen to the word, to hear the word, to obey the word, to carry the word in our hearts. I don't have to turn to it, but uh, you know, Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this, All scripture is God-breathed, it's breathed out by God, and is profitable or advantageous or something that will help heap up and accumulate benefit. All scripture is going to help, is, is going to actually accumulate benefit and, and be profitable to you for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God, you and I, are complete and equipped for every good work. The, 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 the scriptures, the life of God that we encounter through the word, as we abide in the word, that word is profitable to us. It heaps up benefits towards us for our teaching, for our reproof, for our, for our correction, for our training. So we're to love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? We're a people of the spirit, absolutely. In fact, the more that we are a people of the spirit, the more we're going to love the, the word of God. Because the spirit of truth is The Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and He's come to magnify and to reveal Jesus to us. And so what does your daily, what does your rhythm with the Word look like? How are you in the Word? How is the Word abiding in you? How are you knowing the truth? What does that look like for you? Well, for me, 
It looks like, first of all, just reading it. I like to, I've got a couple of practices that I do. One is I like to read the word from cover to cover because it's good to know the whole counsel of God. If, the all, if all scripture is God-breathed, it means everything from Genesis to Revelation, even the hard bits, are breathed out from God. So I want to read and understand the whole counsel of God. But because I know that Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter th- uh, 1, that Jesus is the language of God, I have to read through the word, all the word of God, through the lens, through the language of Jesus as the ultimate revelation of God to me. And so I'm reading by the Spirit. I'm reading, but not just am I reading from cover to cover. There are moments that where I love to just sit down. If I've got a moment, if I've got a day off, whatever, morning, and actually just take some time to read a particular passage and to meditate upon that. So for me, it looks like getting up in the morning and spending some time reading my Bible. But not just during the morning. If I can find other moments during the day to read it, then I'll, I'll do so. The problem that I have is I have a cell phone. Well, no, that's not my problem. The problem isn't that a cell phone is. My problem is I'm attached to my cell phone too much. And so, you know, often when I'm sitting in a restful moment or maybe I go to the bathroom and I have a little moment or whatever, you know, you pull out the phone and the first thing I'm going to do is read the news. You know, thumb through or email or text message or just going to look at a car that I, you know, maybe want to buy even though I can't afford it or whatever, you know. Just kind of disconnect and check out. One of my heroes, um, you know, one of the heroes of the 20th century was a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was known as the apostle of faith. He was a plumber that hadn't, didn't have much education. He didn't, wasn't really a good public speaker until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then the Holy Spirit came and, and he, he raised people from the dead. He punched people to get cancer out of them. Don't ask me, don't do that probably unless the Spirit tells you to do that. He did all manner of miracles. He was a man of faith. But one of the things that he did that struck me deeply was that he carried around a, a Bible with him everywhere he went. And every moment that he had that was spare, he would pull his Bible out. And he would read the word. And reading the word, it's because he, he was abiding in the word and allowing the truth of the word to transform his thinking. And so my, my challenge to myself, first and foremost, but for all of us, is what are we doing with our time? Are we abiding in the Word? Are we using our time wisely? So abiding in that Word, uh, t- to me, it also then is you know, getting the whole counsel of God, but then taking moments during my day to sit and to just chew on a particular passage and to meditate upon that passage and maybe engage with that passage and journal with that passage. So right here in this, in this moment, I would say, okay, Lord, if I, if I want to be your disciple, that means I have to abide in, my, in your word. Okay, how can I abide in your word more powerfully? What does that look like to me to know the truth? And where is it in my own heart that I don't know the truth? Where is it that you, you want to put your finger on for me the fact where, you know, where I, I'm actually not free just yet and that you want to come and bring freedom? And I'll engage maybe with journaling or just meditating with the Lord and spending time with him and just talking to him and allowing him to shine his light on me to actually show me, okay, you're still living in fear here and I want to help you with that. You're still living in a sense of disconnection in your relationships because of pride. I want to help you with that pride. You're still living in a place of jealousy and competition with those people. So let me help you deal with that because I want you to be free because I've created you to be free. And so I'm sitting there you know, with my Bible, maybe with a journal, cup of coffee, whatever, and just reading and, and chewing on the Word and dialoguing with the Lord about it because I don't just want to read it for the sake of reading it because if I'm just reading it for the sake of reading it, I'm filling my mind with information 
That information is telling me what I should do and I shouldn't do, but that information isn't transforming my heart because it's not changing my belief system. So we're to you know, enjoy, chew on the word, meditate upon the word, journal with him. What don't I believe about this passage? What do I believe that's false about this? What, you know, what's not true for me? What does my heart need to know? And engage with the truth of the word. Abiding in the word. Sometimes, um, you know, I've got this app on my phone called Dwell. And um, it's a paid app. And so it's not like a, this is no, this is no um, advertisement for that. I just found this app. Um, and I just like to, you know, listen to the word, word you know, spoken over me. So sometimes I'll put on the Dwell app and I'll just, you know, if I'm in the car and I've got a long journey uh, and I just, you know, I've got some time to kill, I just put the Bible app on and it will speak to me over the, over the you know, over the airwaves, you know, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How do you meditate? How do you abide in the word? If, you know, if you, if you, if, you become, if we become what we focus on, if we focus on all the, the world and the negative things and, and all that's going on in the natural realm, we'll get filled with fear and anxiety or pride or lust or all manner of craziness. But if we dwell upon the Word, if we allow the Word of God to speak to us, if we're reading the Word, if we're meditating on it, if we're allowing Him to change our hearts, then we're not going to be conformed, we're going to be transformed. Uh, this happened to me even this week, right? I, the last few months I've been really pressing in and, and believing God. There's something that's shifted, I know, for me where I'm, you know, I read a few months ago, um, you know, in, uh, I think it's in Mark where, you know, John the Baptist says, hey, as he sees Jesus, he says, going past, he says, hey, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the word right there comes alive to me and I see it and I engage it and I'm starting to press in and say, okay, Lord, you look, we're, we're believing you for a church community, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Because the word of God has brought illumination to my heart. You know, the, Hebrews chapter 4 says that the word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing down to the division of joint and marrow and soul and spirit and laying bare the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so the word right there comes to me. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm pressing in and believing for breakthrough and breakthrough, you know, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God's love. But this week, the Holy Spirit's been reminding me, hey, that's really good, but you know, there's something better than revival. There's something better than, than the things that you're asking for. If you ask for this one thing, you'll get all of that, but you'll get more, so much more, and that is a relationship with Jesus. That's the very presence and the person of Jesus and that intimacy and that place of connection. And so I, I've just been reminded this week as the word has illuminated me and come into me, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry that I've just been focusing on those things. I know that they're good and I'm glad and I'm happy that you've, you, know, you put that in me, but I'm sorry that I've also taken it too far and I've got to the point where I have focused so much on that, I've missed the reality that you are all also calling me into a relationship with you. And that is the foundation and that is the most important and the deep thing. But it's the word of God abiding in me. The word of God beginning to take root in my heart. You know, Paul prays this prayer in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, I pray that, the eyes, uh, that, um, that you would be strengthened with power in the inner being, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love, and that you would have the strength with all of God's saints to, to, to know the love of Christ, the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of Christ, that which is without knowing. What, 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 what Paul's praying there is he's praying for expansion in our hearts. 
He's praying for the, every single part of our hearts, and this become, you know, becomes our prayer too, that every single part of our hearts would be so strengthened with the Holy Spirit, we're so filled with the Spirit that Jesus would dwell in every dimension of our hearts, that the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of our hearts would be filled with the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of His heart, and that we would be transformed and become like Him that he would change our thinking and that he would shift us so that we could become just like him, full of unbelievable, unending love. Whew. So we, we dwell in the Word. We're called to dwell in the Word. Who are you listening to? What are you dwelling in? Are you dwelling in the news? Are you dwelling in conspiracy theories? Are you dwelling in social media? Are you dwelling in the past? Are you dwelling in the relationships and your experience? Are you dwelling in people that are around you that are def- allowing you, allowing them to define you? Or are you abiding and dwelling in the Word of God? Are you allowing Him to speak to you? You know, one of the things I love about the, the prophetic, and often the, the Lord gives us prophetic words both from Scripture that speak straight to us, but also through other people, that actually those prophetic things and the Word of God first and foremost speaks to us about our identity before it talks about what we're going to do. And so our identity, it's, it's important that, the, 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 what the Lord really wants to heal, that the deepest level for each one of us is our identity in Him. And for him to, for us to know who we are. And so for me, when I was growing up, I had this, um, this my math teacher happened to be Duncan's, uh, my older brother, rowing coach. And, um, you know, because he, he, he liked Latin, his nickname for me was Smith Minimus. Minimus being the smallest. I was the youngest brother. And uh, I think I've shared this story before, but, you know, um, it played right into a sense for me of being the youngest brother of, 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 you know, of, in my family of actually not really being very significant. Actually being a little bit minimus and made a bit a little bit, you know, put down and, and just not quite as important. And, and, and of course, when you live that way, you minimize things. You live in the minimization of things. And then um, there are moments, you know, where so you think like I'm not good enough or don't ask me or I don't deserve that or whatever. But then there are other moments where you, you feel so under it that you actually try and maximize yourself. And you try and live in this place of, well, look at me, I'm glorious and I'm amazing and you need to listen to me because I'm stupendous. But only because I don't want you to realize that actually on the inside, I still think I'm minimus. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one, one day, I'm on a plane, and I was just chatting with the Holy Spirit, and he said to me, you know what my name for you in heaven is? I'm like, oh, no, sounds good. He says, I call you Smith Maximus. So I turn that into an I am statement. I take that as a moment where he's speaking identity over me, and I take it and I put it into practice by turning it into an I am statement. Or you take things like uh, scriptures that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I turn it into an I am statement. I, I can. Or, or it's actually not an I am, I can statement. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the thing, if I don't know the truth of who God is for me and who God is in me and who he's made me to be, I'm going to live short of who he's called me to be. But if I allow him by meditating on the word and allowing him to speak to me and set my heart free, uh, then I'm actually going to step into the reality of who he's made me to be and it will look like heaven upon earth. And so Jesus' desire for us, our desire therefore for all of us here, is that we would be set free. Free from thinking, thinking, free from the demonic, free from being conformed to the world. 
And that's why we place our value on things like our Freedom Night. Third Tuesday of every month where we're going to gather together with some other people who have trained and helped themselves with the Spirit have got further ahead to help us walk through issues of of life, tears of the soul, pains and hurts from our experiences to get us set free from the demonic realm to enable us to step into the truth of who God's called us to be. Freedom Nights, we want you to be free. If you're struggling with thoughts, you're struggling with uh, depression or anxiety or pride or lust or jealousy or fear or, or whatever other is, if issue it might be, the Freedom Team is there for you. There's other, other ministries that we have. You know, Bruce and Shea have a ministry and Frank and Cheryl have uh, RTF and um, Jackie and Marcelo have, thank you, Kate, and, uh, you know, RTF and other ministries, right, of just so, so that you can be free. Because here's the other thing about our freedom, that the, the, the knowing and abiding in the word is that we're actually called to be in community, community together. And actually, it's our relationship with each other. The word and the truth of uh, and abiding in that word doesn't just come from us and God. It actually comes to us uh, from others and then flows out of us to others. Whereas actually, we're proving and we're living out and we're working out the freedom and the truth that God has given to us. We cannot do it on our own. We have a community and a family that we've been come together with. So allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Be in the Word. If, be in the Word, please, as much as you can. Every day, the Lord's welcoming you into His Word to abide in His truth. Not just every day, but every hour. What would that look like if we lived in the practice of the presence of God and just lived in the truth? And then not just living in the truth as a sort of a mental ascent, but living in the truth out of a place of obedience. You know, Kate read the scripture actually uh, earlier uh, from Hebrews, I don't know, Ephesians chapter 5. And it, 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 Ephesians chapter 5, it says, you know, in fact, I'm going to just, I'm going to turn to it and I want to finish just here. Because it's, I know it's important, but the exact quotation slipped my mind. In verse 11 it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, bring them into the light. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. In other words, abiding in the truth is not just hiding away ourselves and hiding away our sin and hiding away our struggles and hiding away the difficulties that we have and trying to pretend like it's all good and trying to make ourselves you know, work for our salvation and, and you know, change our behavior. It's actually the dynamic of the abiding in the word is allowing the truth of God's word, that sword of the spirit to come and put his finger on issues of our lives and then bringing them out into the light with other people. Because here's the promise, that which is in the darkness that then gets exposed by the light and becomes visible, which is a scary thing sometimes, but then it actually doesn't just stay uh, visible, it actually becomes light. In other words, the victory that you have, God gives you a victory over that sin and that victory becomes something that is light in your life that you can bring the light of God into other people and you can help them get set free because you've been set free. So don't hide things away. Don't, don't 
just cover over. Don't just try and tough it out. Engage with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Walk with the Jesus, the person of truth. Read the Word. Allow the Word to speak to your life and allow Him to bring everything that is dark to, into the light and then it become light to you, for you, in you, for other people. Oh, the Word of God is so good. Let's just take a moment together just to say thank you to Jesus for the Word of God. Jesus, we thank you. Well, Father, we thank you for the Word. You sent the Word, Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we've seen his glory. We thank you for Jesus, the person of truth, the manifestation of your character and your nature. We thank you that you've given us Jesus, that you've won us to you. And I thank you that you've filled us with the spirit of truth. Just take a moment to thank him for the spirit of truth, to welcome the spirit of truth in you, to welcome the Holy Spirit, the anointing that John says in 1 John that leads us, guides us into truth. Take a moment to welcome that truth and to thank him for the anointing of that truth. That he's written his law in our hearts and he's transforming our thinking. And ask him right now to make you a person of the word. That you would love the word of God. That you would cherish the word of God. That it would be daily bread for you. I feel like some of us, we've been, we've had this challenge of, of relationship with the word. When we open the word, it feels dry or it feels boring or we just somehow fall asleep when we're reading it because it just doesn't have any life. And I, I know that the Holy Spirit wants to shift that right now and to make the Word of God come alive for us. So if that's you, just take a moment and say to the, to, to the Lord, Lord, the truth is I find it difficult to read the Word. Or I find it, I fall asleep or what, whatever it is that is a challenge for you or it's hard to understand. And so I haven't ab abide dwelt in your word. Well, please forgive me. Please transform me and give me a love and a hunger for the word of God. And I ask, Lord, just, just keep praying. I ask the Lord, every time that you open the word of God, you would encounter him. He would speak to you. And he would fill you with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Because he'd been brought into, invited into, you and I, a relationship with truth so that we can be set free. Thank you, Lord. If you want to, just make a resolution to build something into the rhythm of your day that you would experience God and his word would abide in you and that you would be free and you would be transfigured and transformed into his image by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's living and active, laying bare the thoughts and intentions of the heart, not to shame, not to expose, but actually to bring light 
out of darkness. So we welcome the light. The Bible says in Psalms that it's in your light we see light. So welcome the light into your life. Thank you, Lord.